I usually talk to B2B marketers and entrepreneurs on the podcast because they provide great insight and they're my target audience. But on this episode of Marketing Spark, we're doing something different. I'm excited to welcome Jarlath Watson, the principal at the Eichenville Distillery, located on the picturesque Ards Peninsula in Northern Ireland. It's one of the few independent distilleries in the country. Under Jarlath's leadership, the distillery is renowned for its high quality and award-winning products. It produces a range of spirits, including gin, pot gin, and vodka, but its flagship product is Irish whiskey. A friend of mine, Jason Nykor, has been working with Jarlath to bring Eichenville's products to Canada, and I was curious about how a product jumps across the ocean to attract new customers. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mark. Morning. Thanks for having me. Let's start by providing some background into the distillery's history, where its products are sold, and talk about your role. As we were talking before the podcast, you're not only the chief financial officer, but you're the person responsible for blending and mixing the whiskeys. That's an interesting role. Keeps you, it keeps you busy. It keeps you busy. You have two day jobs. Um, Axonville Distillery, God, I have to condense 20 years history into a two minute bite here. So we're, we're based on the Arts Peninsula in the north of Ireland, about 25 miles south of Belfast. We're on the most easterly point of Ireland. Uh, we're a filled to glass distillery. And what that means is we're built on a farm. We're built on an old farm estate dating back to the 1740s, the Actonville estate. We're quite unique in that we, from plowing the fields, growing the barley, floor mothering the barley, mash, ferment, distill, mature, and bottle. We do everything on site. And we're probably the only guys in Ireland that have that approach. So we take providence to the nth degree and that everything is done within one 50-acre farm and within, within one 18-acre site within the distillery. And we've been in whiskey since 2005, 2004. We built our new distillery in 2013. And, um, and like you say, we're working with Jason in Ontario, um, trying to bring Donneville's and other Eccleville products into the market. Where is the whiskey sold and what's been your expansion program over the last few years as the distillery has gained momentum and become more popular? Yeah, so we're probably been sold now in, I think, 27 countries worldwide. And that will range from a lot of Europe, most of Western, Central Europe, obviously Ireland and the UK first. Then you go into Western, Central Europe, a bit of Eastern Europe. We're now moving into Africa. We've signed up great partners in South Africa, and we're looking at Kenya and different countries in South Africa. In Africa, we're also heading into Australasia. Currently, Australia looking at New Zealand, different markets. We're in three provinces in Canada currently. Uh, like I say, with Jason and Court Wines and Whiskies in Ontario, that was the first connection with Canada. And as of last week, we have signed a really big. A big deal for us, we've just signed up to be distributed by uh, Sazerac, by 375 in the USA. So one of the largest companies in the world have taken Dunville's on in the, in the largest Irish whiskey market in the world, which is the US, your near neighbours. Um, I guess it's a funny one, Mark, with whiskey. Um, you have to build a reputation, you have to build a name for yourself and get gravitas, but you want sales. So... There's two ways of doing that. First thing is we all make white spirits because white spirits get to market quicker than whiskey that has to age. 
but on your whiskey side, you tend to, I guess you tend to, in the first days, you tend to go into market with whatever options you have. And then as your brand grows over the years, you tend to reposition your product and you tend then to go out and look for that tier one, tier two national distributor in the largest markets. And I guess that's where we are currently. We're trying to reposition our brands within the markets and we're going from regional distributors to tier one, tier two national distributors, i.e. 375 and South in the States. You can't do that in the first days, but whenever you build a brand to a level that it has recognition, then you can do that. And that is the next step in our progression. In my world, where there are dozens, if not hundreds of companies selling the the same types of software, I spent a lot of time on brand positioning and helping companies differentiate themselves in some way from the competition. If you don't stand out, then you get lost in the crowd. And that's a very dangerous place to be if you're selling a product that looks and feels like everybody else's. And I know this is a difficult question when it comes to taste and products like whiskey, but how do you differentiate your product from all the other Irish whiskeys out there, let alone other types of whiskeys so that you stand out and that people know you for something. Now, it may be the company's Irish heritage. It may be your history. It may be the brand that you've built over the last 20 years. But talk about differentiation and how you make that happen. There's two aspects to that for us within within Donovan and within Actonville. The first aspect is differentiating your liquid, differentiating your whiskey. Um, that comes quite naturally to us. That comes quite easy. We acquired an old brand called Dunville's Irish Whiskey. Dunville's Irish Whiskey was the largest Belfast brand dating back to 1808. In the 1800s, whenever Irish Whiskey was the king of spirits worldwide, and 70% of all brown spirits sold in the world was Irish Whiskey. Canadian, Scotch and Bourbon were fighting for the other 30% and Irish was 70%. Dunville's was the largest brand in the world. The largest distillery in the world was based in Belfast, Dunville's Irish Whiskey. Masters of marketing back in the 1800s, um, 56 markets worldwide, 27 offices throughout the world. Dunville's artifacts, mirrors, etc. will still adorn all the best whiskey pubs around the world. We acquired this old brand and we were very aware that we still we could have stood accused of taking an old brand and trying to milk it. So we overcompensated by making extremely good whiskey. I guess we make whiskey without compromise. Um, so differentiating our liquids different, differentiate themselves by the sheer quality of the liquids. We do very, very long craft maturations in old world European crafts, cherries, ports, fortified wines. We also use rum crafts from the Caribbean. Those crafts that would have been about in the 1850s, 1860s, whenever Irish whiskey was the largest spirit in the world. So we make exceptionally high-end single malt and blends finished for long times and very, very good sherry crafts. We take the best whiskey we can get or we make, we put it in the best crafts in the world and we leave it for as long as it takes. We win hordes of awards. Um, last year at the Irish Whiskey Awards, I think there was 11 whiskey categories. We won five of them, including winning the best overall whiskey in Ireland. Now, for a young distillery like Actonville, which is still family owned, that's a massive achievement. 
if I can get if I can get my whiskey onto your lips, you will buy my whiskey. As was proven yesterday at the Spirit of Toronto show, we done a master class before it started with sixty people. They tasted the whiskey. They came out in the master class, told their mates, and our stand was the busiest stand at the show. For a small branded Actonville, we were the busiest stand at the show. That's all about liquid on lips. So making good liquid, we find not easy, but if you just adhere to those core principles of making whiskey without compromise, that so we can differentiate our spirit quite easily. Differentiating your brand takes a lot more work, and if it didn't, you guys wouldn't have jobs. So different, differentiating your brand is a lot harder, and um, we are experts in making whiskey, building brands, maybe not so much yet. So, but we build on the whiskey heritage of Ireland and of Belfast. So we we resurrect old Irish whiskey brands, initially Donovils, which make single malt and blends. We then brought back Old Trumber. Old Trumber was a distillery twelve miles from our distillery. It closed down in nineteen fifty seven. It was our little distillery, and um, so we brought that brand back. That does an Irish pot still, a different type of whiskey. We try and take those old brands. We rely very heavily on the the tradition and heritage of what those brands were, and then we try and slowly bring that into a modern era. So we we will be very sympathetic to the old labels, to the old branding, to the old brand values and messages, the core the core values of the company. And we will slowly, slowly add a modern contemporary twist to that. I think that's a very interesting strategy because as a small operation with limited marketing and sales dollars, you need to be as savvy and as creative as possible. So the fact that you're taking products with brand equity that have a history, that have recognition is a very interesting move. And I think it's very savvy on your part. The question that I have is that there's many companies in my world have very good products and they spend a lot of time listening to customers and enhancing the products so that they deliver a lot of value. The challenge is making sure that you can, what I call pollinate, that message to the world is that people can actually become aware of the products that you make. Because if you make great product and no one knows about it, then you don't have a business. You have a hobby for for the most part. I know you're not a marketer. I know that you're the chief bottle washer and the guy who counts the dollars and cents. But what type of marketing does the distillery do? And what's the vision right now when you look at the marketing landscape and the fact that you want to get your message out. Are you going to do your own marketing? Are you going to rely on distributors to make it happen for you? What's that mix look like? Yeah, so I guess for us, we're, we are a small family-owned distillery. Our budget is probably one thousandth of what the multinationals might have. Um, and our network is a lot smaller, albeit that is building. So again, I guess we have to rely to a certain extent on the marketing expertise and the presence that our our distributors have in market. And that's the really important thing about moving to those tier one, tier two distributors who who are in market. They have people on the ground. They have the connections with the the best on-trade and off-trade accounts in the country. And they know know how to sell booze in their their country. for us, um, obviously, online marketing is a huge reach. We can maximize that, or we can try to maximize that. We try and build brand advocates. 
whiskey pulls from the heartstrings, you know, and that ties back to brands with heritage and tradition. People, people who drink whiskey tend to appreciate heritage, tradition, history, craft, and they want they want to buy into a brand. They want to feel a connection with a brand. A brand, you know, so that brand loyalty is there for you if you if you want to um, to to. to to embrace it. So we try and build brand advocates throughout a whole network of different people from bloggers to to influencers to marketeers to you know to writers to whoever and if we can tell our story to them, they will write and tell our story for us. They will have influence and they will have reach that possibly we don't have. And again that ties back to being to having credibility, to having a story and to having really good liquid. Because people will then want to go out and advocate your brand. So we're not a company that can throw a lot of dollars around with big campaigns. We rely, smaller companies rely a lot on what we would call guerrilla marketing. You know, um, and um, and I guess we're moving, we're slowly moving away from that smaller guerrilla marketing into the larger campaigns, but it's going to be a while yet. I'm glad that you talked about influencer marketing because... From the outside looking in, it's a very sexy, compelling concept. The idea of finding people who have large followings, who are influential, who have credibility and thought leadership in the marketplace is very attractive. And you want to associate your product with their brands and their track records. But one of the challenges is that there's a lot of competition for influencers. Lots of people want to be associated with them. And the other thing is being able to identify the influencers that are relevant to your product and as important are going to do a good job of being evangelists and advocates as opposed to simply taking your product and you simply being part of their overall influencer mix. Can you talk a little bit about Eichenville's strategy when it comes to influencer marketing? How do you identify the people that matter to you and how do you nurture and monitor that relationship so that it's a win-win proposition i guess for us that started off in our home markets that started off in ireland and in the uk the whiskey community tends to be quite small in its core and quite tight-knit but very active and like i say it's an industry that people want to want to feel a part of and want to know and want to know everything about they want to know everything about you the people that become influencers in your home market you tend to identify quite quickly you, you tend to know them as friends because you're meeting them you're meeting them at tasting your friends you're meeting them at whiskey shows you know you're online talking about the same stuff so, so that's easier like i say the key bit to that is once i taste your product and hear hear your story they're very quick at calling out the bullshit from the real deal do you know and if you're not the real deal they will call that out very quickly and they will not have time for you i guess whenever you try and identify whenever you try and go to foreign markets to to far off markets that becomes a lot more difficult again we have more visibility in the us as to who's doing what we have a bit of visibility in canada as to who's doing what once you get into maybe central europe maybe into regions with different languages and that type of thing that becomes a lot harder and so you do rely then on the networks of people you know who know people and you did rely on those introductions and again people what you find is that people are not willing to make those introductions unless you unless they have faith in you because it's then their reputation you know so 
I guess you, at that point, we are relying on people we know and further out networks. And again, going back to our going back to our distributor base and feeding through our distributors who are in market and who do know the lie of the, the, lie of the land in that in, in that area. One of the things you mentioned is the fact that while a lot of companies depend on digital marketing, face-to-face marketing is really important. And before we jumped on this recording, you talked about the fact that you're on a multi-city tour throughout North America. And I think that one of the challenges for many companies is that there's so much digital marketing being thrown at them. We're inundated with social media and content marketing and videos, and it's hard sometimes to break through. And I think a lot of brands are looking at a return to real world marketing, going to conferences, going to events, hosting dinners or master classes like you did in Toronto yesterday. Curious about your approach and your company's approach to physical marketing in which you're making relationships and you're meeting people and you're building your network and you're getting, you're building word of mouth and actually getting people to experience the product and tell stories about the product. Is that a key part of your marketing thrust? It's the very core of it in that, let me say the the online is a very noisy place. There's, you're being constantly bombarded with messages from a hundred different brands in any one day in any one field the human nature we tend to just learn to block that out you know i mean it becomes you know you, you don't you don't it doesn't register with you you know, you can have online marketing thrown at you all day every day and very little of it will actually register with you you have to make that register with people you have to make them aware of dunville's before and make them aware of something about dunville's and then what and then the online marketing starts to register with them. We find the best way to do that is just to get into market, to get into bars, to get into whiskey shows, to get into consumer events. Whiskey is a different industry, Mark. Whiskey is about, in its very essence, and its very heart, whiskey is about me pouring you a glass, we sit down and we share a story. Whiskey is not about pouring eight whiskeys and getting whatever. That lends itself very well to consumer events. I can sit and pour people three or four whiskeys. I can tell them the story of our distillery. I can ask them what they like, why they like it, you know, what resonates and doesn't resonate with them and form those connections. Once you do that, the rest of the marketing starts to resonate with them. It gets through their, fil- it gets through their filters and it registers with them. So the job of the, of the consumer events, of the face-to-face tasters, of having a chat over a whiskey, it's to break down the filters so as the rest of your message gets through to them. That makes sense. In my world, it's hard to taste software, but you can experience software and you can be shown how it works and why it's relevant to you. The other major thing is, as you mentioned, storytelling, because if you want to get somebody into your world, if you want to show that you're empathetic to what they think and feel and do, and that you've got something that differentiates you from everybody else, storytelling is an awesome way to make that happen. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about moving into new markets. Obviously, Jason has helped you penetrate the Ontario market. And for those who aren't familiar, the LCBO, Liquor Control Board of Ontario, was the biggest purchaser of alcohol in the world. So to break into Ontario, to break through with the LCBO is a major accomplishment. 
Can you talk about your growth strategy when it comes to international markets? How do you identify the markets that you want to move into? And what kind of research do you do to make sure that there's demand for the product that you're selling? I guess our growth has to be very controlled. We're not like the software business. You, you can create as many copies of your software as there is people to buy it. We have to make whiskey. We have to lay down whiskey for our youngest whiskey is five, six years old. Our oldest whiskey is 22 years old currently, and it will get older. If I want to sell you a bottle of 22-year-old whiskey, I have to make that 22 years ago. So I have only a certain amount of that to sell. I can't take that to 55 new markets this year, or I'm going to leave 53 of them very disappointed and with empty shelves. Even our youngest product at five years old relies on what was made five years ago. We work with very, we work with limited stocks. So it's a matter of identifying, you identify the markets you want to be in, and then you identify how much product that you can allocate to that market in any given year. And you make sure that that works because the last thing you want to do is not have supply chains that, that are not fulfilled. Whereas, you know, you're better off not in market than having unfulfilled supply chains. So I guess we sit down, we, we work, we actually work very closely with um, InvestNI and bodies like that, Board B and bodies like that, who will who will have all the, the necessary data on consumers, on what price points and what SKUs are, are being sold in those markets. So we identify markets that we are we are not we are not a bargain basement whiskey brand. We're a premium, ultra premium whiskey brand. You know, we range from seven-year-old single malts up to 22-year-old or seven-year-old blends up to 22-year-old single malts. So we're not fighting, at, you know, at, at, in a different store area. We're, we're in that upmarket liquor store, upmarket, the, the best bar accounts in the, in, in the cities, et cetera, et cetera. We identify that and then we work. It, it's more about what stock we have to allocate and then what growth we want in what regions. Um, and it really is done on a on a case-by-case basis and truth. And again, it's a dent- if we cannot identify that that correct distributor for that market at that time, we'll bypass that market until we can identify the, the distributor that is that long-term solution to us. One of the realities of different types of markets is that consumers respond in different ways. They have different tastes. There's different types of marketing that you have to use to get to them, to build brand awareness, to share that experience of the product and of course the story that you want to tell how do you approach marketing when it comes to a specific market like ontario or canada for that matter is the marketing mix the same or do you have research that shows you that if we do this type of marketing other than that type of marketing then we'll be more successful yes canada is probably ontario and controlled states are different in their approach to to non-controlled states. You have one importer, the LCBO, their government owned. They're, they are the largest single purchaser of alcohol in the world. They're the gatekeepers to, to this market, and they do that very well in truth. We have a good relationship with them. I believe they see the value in Dunville's. It's a market that once you get into Ontario, consolidation is the first thing. You want to make sure you're still in market next year. If you're not successful in the LCBO, you'll not be there long and you have a hard job getting back in. So consolidation and then growth in truth. I guess I've been talking to Jason about this yesterday and Jason said that we have to change our marketing strategy in in, in Ontario. 
we have to be in market more. We have to um, we have to be in market more. We have to put the face of Dundas out there more in market on the key accounts. I, I guess at the start we rely a lot on winning lots of awards and telling the story through that quality, and that gets that that gets you so far. Uh, and then a lot of online marketing, a lot of POS. We're now at the point where we have a bit of brand recognition in Ontario. It's now about getting people on the ground. At some point in the development of a whiskey in a market, there's nothing else. Just getting feet on the ground, getting your brand ambassadors out there and spending 68 weeks in market, covering all the key accounts, talking to the right people, building friendships with the, the main bars and the main on the key accounts so the alcohol industry is still a lot it's still a lot like that you know um you're relying on a barman if you were into a bar and ask for an Irish whiskey or ask for a whiskey he probably has 50 whiskeys behind the bar and he can pour any of those 50 whiskeys so we have to empower that barman we have to empower that person in the off license we have to empower that person to offer a donville's to pour a donville's and to tell them to tell the consumer why they're pouring a donville's if they don't have the knowledge of your brand, if they don't understand your distillery, if they don't know the story, they'll not be empowered to recommend your brand. So it's really important that you get the key people in the industry, the bartenders, the bar owners, the guy behind the counter, the off license, to educate them on your story so they can they can recommend my product to you and justify why they're recommending it. And at some point, you just have to get feet on the ground and do that also the key message here, I mean, there's lots of messages that you've delivered and I think we've had a great conversation. The key message here, and this applies to B2B software companies as well, is that relationships matter, is that meeting people, building out your network, telling the story about your brand and your product are more important than ever because I think the digital marketing landscape is too noisy. It's too busy. It's increasingly difficult to break through. I think with AI and chat GPT, there's going to be more content than ever. So standing out from the crowd using digital marketing is going to be increasingly challenging. So the effectiveness of meeting people and, and shaking hands and putting a face to a name is going to be really, really important. them to sell your product because they, they know and understand the brand story and know the quality of, of the liquid. Yeah, and I think those lessons apply to all types of different companies. A final question, and this may be unfair because you're not a marketer, but how do you tell if your marketing is working? Aside from bottled being pulled off the shelves <laughs> or into people's liquor cabinets or at bars yeah. and restaurants, how do you um, quantify marketing success? Do you know what? For me, it, that's an easy one because... Um, if you're not doing it right, your distributor isn't Lauren telling you you're not doing it right. <laughs> you know, whenever you visit in brand, at some point during your two to three or four day visit to Ontario, Jason is going to pull you to one side and say, "Look, here's what work, here's what's working, and here's what's not working." <laughs> you know, so if you can't recognize those traits yourself, and we do set targets for, for we do set targets for every skew. And we will monitor those. We will monitor sales and monitor feed through and, and monitor post through and monitor how many stores or how many bars we're in and while we're in the right bars and everything else. Um, but we're not in market. We're not in Ontario. And Jason is. And Jason, he's a guy that's out there, you know, every day. And if it's not working, Jason will know. If it's not working, Jason will, at some point during this weekend, he will pull me aside and tell me exactly what is and what is not working, you know. So you do rely very heavily on 
the, the very first thing I said to you was getting the right people, the right distributor in the right market. And that is so key to the success of your product for so many reasons. But also having a, having a distributor that's honest with you, having a distributor that is not afraid to have those hard conversations because they benefit us both. We can have 27 different KPIs set up to monitor what we think is happening in that market. But in truth, the person in that market is going to tell you more than those 27 KPIs ever will. The KPIs are one thing. Interpreting the KPIs is is something different entirely. And somebody in market, somebody local can interpret those better. Yeah, great, great points. Two points that I just want to wrap up. One is that if you're using distributors, having people who are advocates and, and know your product inside out and can give you the honest truth about how your marketing and sales are doing is really important. And the other thing you mentioned, there's lots of KPIs and data is great, but you have to pull insight from the data yeah. to make it matter. A final, final question. If people are interested in learning more about the distillery, where do they go? Yeah, so they will go to the social medias. Accentville.com is our, our website. And then you'll find Donville's Irish Whiskey across the usual social media channels. But your first port of call will be Accentville.com. That's E-C-H-L-I-N-V-I-L-L-E.com. Well, thanks, Charlotte, for the great conversation. It was a different type of conversation. I hope people got value from getting perspective about how a different type of product works. But I think there's some important marketing and sales lessons to be learned from the approach that you're taking towards influencer marketing, in-person marketing, and using distributors as a key to get into markets. I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of Marketing Spark. If you enjoyed the conversation, rate it and subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app, and share via social media. If you're a B2B SaaS company looking for more sales and leads, but struggling to do marketing that makes an impact, we should talk. I use a three-part methodology to diagnose, fix, and optimize your marketing strategically and tactically Reach out to me via email, mark at markevans.ca or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll talk to you soon.